Welcome everyone. Today is going to be a little bit different on the MedTech Business Academy as we're doing our first episode in our Women in MedTech series. The series will be interspersed into the normal MBA podcast and will focus on featuring female leaders, inventors, entrepreneurs, and those that are changing the healthcare and MedTech landscape. We're excited to be here. We're going to start with meeting our Women in MedTech team. So I'm Colleen Patterson. I'm normally our voice behind the scenes in our normal MBA podcast. Really excited to be here. I am the Executive Vice President of Operations at the Clinician Exchange that focuses on solving MedTech's educational needs and connecting to clinicians. I'm going to pass it over to another friendly face, people we know very well. Barbara, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thanks, Colleen. Um, uh, Your intro was very interesting because we're just happy that you're coming to the forefront and not just being in the background saying you have five minutes left. So I'm Barbara Strain. You might remember my voice if you've not heard before. Um, I've been in healthcare for over 45 years, 40 of which I worked in provider organizations. So I always bring this sort of little provider sort of shtick into the conversations and things. And now I get to put on my other hats of, uh, as you may or may not know, I'm the elder statesperson of this group. So I've been through a lot of interesting situations, but it's really happy to be here. And thanks, Colleen, for reaching out for this, uh, I think, important segments about women in med tech. Thanks, Barbara. Abby, why don't you uh, hop in next? Sure. Uh, Hi, thank you again for having me on as well. So I'm Abby Norfleet. I had the pleasure of being on one of Colleen's first uh, podcasts in which she came out from behind the curtain and uh, met Barbara then and have recently formed a new friendship with Stephanie as well. So I am currently the EVP of sales for the Southeast region for Curin Inc., um, in which we focus on a pretty big problem in solving uh, blood culture contamination, but overall impacting patient outcomes, decreasing cost of healthcare, and uh, really focusing on patient safety. Before that, I am a clinician by trade. I have practiced at the bedside as a nurse in a critical care facility, um, but have spent the last almost uh, 12 years now in the med tech industry. So making that jump from being a bedside clinician to getting into med tech industry, I have held various positions from being a clinical specialist to managing a clinical specialist team to working on strategic projects. And then of course, now being more in the sales realm. So I've got about 15 years in healthcare overall and feel that I still have a long way to go. So I'm very excited to get to be on the, I would say, less experienced yet forever curious side of things as we bring on more people and women that are in this industry to learn from them, garner more ideas, and just really kind of overall create that that great network that we have been building for quite some time now. Exciting. And Stephanie, go ahead and um, why don't you do an introduction as well? Thanks, Colleen. Um, It's an absolute honor to be with all of you today. I'm Dr. Stephanie Pitts, and as my children will say, I'm a nurse doctor. So it's a doctor of nursing practice. Um, I am a registered nurse also by training and have specialization in pediatrics, vascular access, and also nursing leadership. I'm currently the Senior Director of Strategy um, on the Healthcare Strategy and Innovation Team for Bebron Medical um, here in the United States. 
Um, Bibron is one of the largest medical device companies that has a global footprint. Um, my role here in the United States is to develop um, programs and therapy solutions to help hospitals and healthcare providers ultimately improve how they're delivering care. So it's an honor to be here with all of you. And I look forward to the discussion that we're going to have in the coming, coming time together. Awesome. So let's go a little bit into our thought process on really what's bringing us here today. Why, why is having this conversation even meaningful? Um, you know, and I think a lot of that was sitting in the provider seat or in the producer seat, I'm sorry, of the MedTech Business Academy podcast. I saw a lot of really dynamic conversation about the, the landscape and the future and how things were going. And I started to notice a trend, and this is not to say anything bad about that, but I think it was really representative of the environment that we're in today, is that when we were bringing in a lot of the professionals, like the voice makers, the, the influencers of the industry, those were predominantly men. Um, and it seemed like we were bringing on their female counterparts, and it tended to be in conversations about nursing, or um, for instance, even when Abby came on, I, Bob is fabulous, and he is a great storyteller, but I think that we have a natural inclination of the, the guys seem to take the stage, and I thought it was really a poignant moment for us to really take a look at what does that look like? What's the healthcare landscape look like? And when you're looking at some of these things by the numbers, there just weren't enough voices having the conversations about women-led discussions, you know, what the industry looks like, what it could look like. You know, when you're looking at, for instance, gender distribution in the in medical device, when you're talking about sales reps, the teams, very equal, very close. Um, females are about 48.7%, males coming in at about 51%. But when you get to top leadership. A 2021 study is showing 21% of the top executives in the world's 100 biggest medical device companies are women. However, 13 of those 100 companies polled had zero females in executive roles. 21 companies had a token member of the board. There, you, it, that's that. It's hard to say that really there was only one person. No, that feels like a diversity hire. I will want to say, though, I'm specifically proud of Stephanie and her organization because Braun comes in as a, one of the best. 33% of Braun's global executive leadership is female driven. And I know there's a lot of other great organizations out there. You know, J&J is now, now led by a, a woman herself. But I just didn't feel like there was enough conversation about what the industry is like, about what it means to get a seat at the table, about the fact that it is still very present, as we saw in those numbers, that if you get to the table, you may be the only woman there. And they it's quite possible that there's not any, you know, import impetus on making that any different. So really exciting, um, I think, to see some of these conversations come to light and where we can go from there. Because all three of you guys have come from the background of moving from, you know, being a provider primarily, which we all know is predominantly female, more into this med tech landscape. What were, what's been your take on that? How do you find that that's been different over the years? I can take that one, I guess. Um, so, you know, I think you made the comment a little bit earlier, Colleen, about when you are having these conversations, especially within the med tech industry, 
it seems to be so many more women voices pop up when we do talk about the clinical aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, that is inherently where we came from, from all of our backgrounds. And so I don't want to speak for Barbara and Stephanie, but knowing where I've come from in those situations that I've been put in, um, even today, uh, being in a sales role and at a higher level within the organization that I'm with, a lot of the times I'm still the default go-to uh, for a lot of clinical aspects whenever we are wanting to have higher level conversations. Now, that's not to slight the wonderful clinical team that we do currently have that um, I'm actually very proud to say is getting to be a closer mix of men and women. Um, That was another thing that was shocking to me when I first jumped into med tech industry is that it seemed like everybody that worked on the clinical side was all women and everybody that worked on the sales, more business oriented side was all male. And again, that's just kind of usually how some of those backgrounds are. Uh, Now, when I look at even the organization that I've grown into at this point, this is now my third company within uh, what would be considered medtech industry, it's starting to get a little bit closer to a mix of men on the clinical side and women on the sales, more business oriented side, which is really exciting to see. Mm -hmm. Um, But at first, I just, it was not anything that I really thought about when I first jumped in. It was an opportunity that I was really excited about grasping. So I was probably going in with just, hey, this is awesome. This is something new and exciting and not taking into consideration what some of the potential missed opportunities might've been until my eyes were opened up to it a little bit more. Um, But I... I am proud to say that at least most of my interactions and experience with that hasn't been as divided. So there's been a little bit of work already done there, which has been great. And Stephanie, you're still actively practicing. I know, I know you spend some time in, in a facility. Stephanie just has so happens to live actually only about 45 minutes away from me. Um, so I have visited her in her hospital before. So tell me a little bit about, you know, cause you're actively going through this right now. What, how do you feel like that balance has, you know, in those different environments looks like? Yeah. So Colleen, I want to, if it's okay, I want to take a big step back just um, of course. For, for a minute, because I think for myself, I, I, you know, I think a lot about my, my place, my purpose, my team, my impact. And I grew up with, um, eight older brothers. So I had some stepbrothers, some real brothers, but at the end of the day, during the holidays, I would be in a house with eight older brothers. So, and I was the youngest and the only girl. And I think that that has such a foundation in forming me today as a professional, especially in med tech, because oftentimes our teams are, um, I'm often the, you know, the, the only girl, right. The only female on, on a team. And I just never really viewed that as, um, as a disparity in a sense, I, I viewed it as like, that was normal for me because that's kind of how I grew up as a kid. Right. Like I belonged on that team. Um, and I would do whatever it took to have a, a place within those dynamics. So it probably wasn't until I got a little bit further into my career, did I start to really assess and look around me and realize like, Oh, there's a, you know, a board with 10 and only two are females. And, you know, what does that mean? And how does that impact us? And, you know, Colleen, you mentioned it earlier, um, B. Braun Medical, um, our global CEO is Anna Maria Braun. She's a female. And I just think that's awesome, right? Because 
Um, what I recognize is that when you have a diversity on a team, and it doesn't matter what type of team it is, whether it's a med tech team, an innovation team, even a healthcare team, when you have a diversity of people, men, women, ethnicities, race, you have diversity of thought. And when you have that diversity of thought, you're better able to serve the world around you because our world is just so beautifully diverse. So I just wanted to kind of set the preface of I never saw myself as underprivileged or at a disadvantage. Um, I think I grew up realizing like, you know, it was kind of cool being the only girl on an all boy team. But there I will tell you when I really do look deeper into my world around me, there are things I think that are different, that we do different, that we accommodate. Um and I've definitely become more aware of them. So going back to your question about my clinical experience. So I have um, balanced the med tech world with also keeping my pulse on patients. And I have found that to be um, really, really, really important. Um, and Colleen, I don't know that I've shared this with you, but I recently retired from my bedside practice just in the last month or so. I know, I know oh. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling with that decision, but but the reality was I am, you know, I had 25 years of experience taking care of the children in our Tampa Bay community. And um, I was giving up weekend shifts along with my full-time job during the week. And I just, it became time to prioritize myself and my family. And, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like I had done enough. It was enough. 25 years was, was good. And um, I had a lot of experience and amazing relationships there. But I will say, I think it is so critical if you can, if you're in med tech and you are a clinician, to keep that clinical connection for as long as you possibly can, because it validates the work you're doing. It keeps the pulse on a patient and their family and what's really important about the work you're doing. And, and I'm so thankful that I was able to make that balance for well over 10 years. So. Barbara, you have, as you, as you had said that you, you've seen some things that the rest of us have not yet seen. How do you feel like your experience has worked? And I want you, if you don't mind even stepping, uh, you know, a, a little bit further into the topic of how do you feel like med tech as an industry has been evolving over, you know, the last few years of what was it like when you first joined compared to how you feel like that those opportunities are now? Right. Well, back when they invented penicillin, no. Um, <laughs> I was listening to Stephanie talk about her her brothers and things. Well, I'm the opposite. I'm an only child, but I had very strong females in my family. Mm-hmm. And so just like her in a way is I always thought that's the way you acted and it was no different. So I wasn't, you know, the shy type. I know it's hard to tell. I wasn't the shy type that would, you know, just stand back behind my mother's, you know, skirts and all that kind of stuff is she was so proud of the fact she worked in a hardware store and men had to come up and ask her opinion and she could really, you know, go to toe to toe. And so I had these great role models. So when I went actually into work out of college, that's when it first hit you. And my first job was literally days after I graduated and it was all men in a very interesting, (laughs) interesting um, work setting. But boy, it was like 
if I tried to be myself and be, you know, equals and stuff, I got put in my place really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a crier or anything. So you didn't see me get weak or whatever, but it was something you had to sort of drop back and go, okay, how can I still be me in these situations? Because you don't want to have to change yourself or be somebody different when you're in the presence of certain individuals or, you know, if they're predominantly male and then how they handle themselves because how they were raised. So a lot of it is culture, right? And how you were raised in things. So California, 1960s, that's where I was. So everybody was pretty equal in things. So then I went someplace else. But as I've sat in my provider role, and I was always the person that was sort of point with presentations, no matter what I did, whether I was in the laboratory or I was in a a different situation or whatever, I was sitting across from normally a man. And the way they sort of have a, a uh, sort of the way they present different uh, products or services and things it was almost uh, like patting you on the head a little bit. And almost every once in a while, you almost, is there someone else I can talk to about this? Like, you know, I'm going, hey, <laughs> you know. So that has changed considerably. Mm-hmm. Then when I retired and became an independent consultant, And I've had 80, 90 different clients so far. And um, it it was interesting listening to Abby and Stephanie because when I go to talk to like people in marketing, most of the marketing individuals are females. When I go to talk to the head of sales, they're usually males. And it's so different. So you have to learn and understand who has sort of a manner about them that you can get certain types of information from and others. And I won't say you can kind of get from my comments. Others are kind of clueless about certain things. And so it's harder to drag things out. But there's a lot more um, coming about as far as women. So I, I know a lot more women CEOs or presidents of companies or they went out and got their funding and they're uh, in command and control. But the culture they create in a company, I think, is a lot different than a male created culture. And you can really tell the difference. And so when I actually am taking on clients and then those clients eventually get introduced to other people that they want to sell into and things. It's important to get all that culture things and help them with, you know, how's their story going to be told and that sort of thing. Uh, I was telling an interesting fact to um, Colleen and Abby and Stephanie just before we went on is that sometimes I'm asked to sort of uh, give some um editorial about either surveys about salaries and why they might be higher for men than women and things like that. And I actually did a calculation looking at the national, you know, workforce information and things. 
And it would take almost over 200 and some years for women to catch up in salary with men, depending on how things they're being promoted and they're getting into things because we start off in a sort of negative atmosphere to begin with. So there's just a lot of things that we get presented with that is not evident until we get a group like this together and we're able to talk about it because we can help each other or others out there in our audience say, oh my goodness, they're talking about me or I've had that experience, but maybe giving some advice or things about let's go out there and and talk differently and, and see what happens. I think you made a lot of really great points there. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on Skender for a minute because he's such a good sport. Um so Skender, who is normally on the MedTexperts panel, is you know the CEO of our organization. And he and I were talking about the thought process behind you know this conversation coming to the table and what would we be talking about. And I actually brought up um two different stories to him. One of them was we had been on a call with clients, it's him and myself, three gentlemen, um, average age of those gentlemen, I uh, had Medicare. Um, so of, <laughs> of a certain age in, in med tech and we get into the conversation and they're asking us about our business and what we can do. And, you know, after the initial chatting at the beginning, when they actually got down into what's the work going to be, that was me. I, I was taking the lead for organization, answering the questions. And so in our 45 minute call, I probably spent 20 minutes speaking. And when there's five people on the call, that's that's a lot for, for everybody. And we get to the end and the, the gentlemen from the other team say, good work, guys. A pause, a notable pause. And then, and lady. And I think it's that kind of thought mentality of, you know, even when you're there, even when you're present, even when you are taking charge in the conversation, there is still that atmosphere of the expectation is male. The expectation is it's guys. And I, like Barbara, it, it takes a lot to offend me. My my skin is very thick. Um, unlike Stephanie, I've only got sisters. Uh, so I, yeah. I did not grow up in that same you know idea of being the only female in the room, but that does not bother me. But I think that there is still that atmosphere or that thought process of you're the add-on, you're the plus one. Um, another scenario that I shared with him as well was we had a um, gentleman who had joined our team to work in the sales aspect. And I cannot tell you the number of meetings I sat in where the expectation was at the end of it, I'm, I am your senior. I've been here longer, you know, senior in title. I've been here longer. I'm older than you by 10 years. And we'd get to the end of the call and he would send me a message that's and said, uh, you took notes on that. Can you share them over with me? My, I'm, I didn't realize I, that was my job on this call, babes. And although I did take notes, that should not be your expectation that just because I am a woman that I am doing that for you to make your life easier. You know, it, I think it's it's really about being present. Um, you know, is that something, Steph, Abby, you know, that either one of you guys have experienced? I, I, I will say the note taking thing, it always kind of makes me laugh because it's 
I think, you know, one of the stereotypes that's out there is that women are typically more organized than men are. And so I'm even I'm laughing here because as the four of us are just talking and having this, we want to have a friendly conversation. I'm still writing down notes because that is usually how I engage. It's I want to make sure I didn't forget that point or what Stephanie just said was really poignant. I don't want to forget that later. So I, there is that notion that typically we're a little more organized than men versus them trying to keep up with it. Now, it's really funny, um, as I've switched into a new role where I've been managing more men than I have women, I've had a couple of the reps when we've gone into meetings and I start taking them actually look at me and say, you're going to take notes. And I say, well, you can too. And we can compare what we find later. And it's more the, oh, she's already doing it. I'm not going to need to rather than it's just the expectation. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes it's those unconscious biases that we've come up under that we're almost looking for some of that, that I do find myself trying to understand this is why this is there and not take it on as, oh, they did that just because I'm the woman in this situation, even mm-hmm. though those are some of those unconscious biases that we probably need to make sure of. There's a way to change that around a little bit. So in the specific example, uh, when I was telling Skender about, you know, when we worked with this, you know, this fella and here's what happened. And he was like, I, he would volunteer to take the notes on my calls. <laughs> and that's the disparity. Uh. He was, you know, Skender be and Skender's a very in touch, finger on the pulse, you know, very with it CEO. He's very connected. And that's an area where I think there's sometimes that we do ourselves a disservice because did I ever escalate that to him? No. Why? Because I'm like, hey, stop doing stop doing that. Take your own notes, guy. Um, but also the expectation of, you know, you you may be my boss, but you're a woman, and therefore I'm going to do this to you. And I would never have, you know, not doing the same thing that his experience was so different. And that's where I think there, we can do ourselves a disservice of not bringing it up, which is what, one of the reasons I'm so excited about these conversations, because this is the format, the, the table where we can talk. Um, Stephanie, I do want to bring that point back though, about, you know, what has your experience been like in the room? Um, are, are, have you found that to be true for yourself? Yeah. And Abby, I think we have a lot of similarity in the note-taking piece, but I have to be honest, I do take notes because I don't have like the best memory. So a lot of times I'm doing it for myself and I don't mind sharing them, but I, I'm not the, I'm not going to be the secretary for the meeting and take notes. So I do draw that line, but I will tell you something that's um, become very evident to me is oftentimes people will want you to be the one that sets the calendar invite. And I know it's such a little thing, but it's, you know, it's like, um, Hey, would you like to meet? Yep. And I always respond back. My calendar is up to date because I do feel like a lot of times, and I know it's such a little thing, but it's so unconscious, but the expectation, and I don't know that it's because it's a, you know, I'm a female and they're a male or, that's just the expectation. I, I, I don't know the psychology behind it, but I've gotten to the point where I've responded a lot, especially even in the last like couple of weeks. I'm like, my calendar's up to date. Feel free to snag time. Like I serve, I work for you. And as I hear everyone talking and um, calling you speak um, so kindly of Skender, he's incredible. Um, I do have to say one thing that's been really critical to me and I think um, led to a lot of success in my med tech career is who I report to is so important to me. 
And, yes. you know, when I, when I think of my organization, we have these employee resource groups where, you know, at, at Bebron, you know, they're, they're seeking to ensure that every employee has a place and they feel like they belong. So whether you're a veteran or you're um, black or you're a woman, um, we have all these different groups. In fact, I think we have like maybe 13, there's a lot of them, but you know, I'm a part of the women's group, but my boss is as well. And he's a guy and, you know, it's interesting because I've, I hear him and I hear him talk about the things that he has learned, you know, like through COVID, he was like, man, I feel so sorry for all these moms who are like homeschooling their kids. Meanwhile, trying to hold their full-time position. And it's been kind of neat to see. I mean, I feel like he was always inclusive, um, anyways, naturally, but to actually see him participate in those monthly meetings, um, I think is really, I've I've watched him, you know, grow as a leader in doing that. So, um, so I guess my point is, is, you know, for me, I've never felt like I've been a victim of an organization or a process. I feel like I have the right to make decisions and align myself accordingly. And I'll just go back to who I report to, really does matter. And I would, I would say that's a general rule for that. Everyone should really follow if, if they can. Right. <clears throat> I, you know, I think that that's so true is, you know, and an example of that in my own personal journey is I've never experienced what I feel like is a glass ceiling. I have been in meritocracies. You work hard, you get work recognized for your hard work. There are people around you, such as this panel today, who are excited to support you on your journey. But am I still very aware of the fact that that's not every person's journey? You know, there are many women who have experienced it's it's me uh, and you know, there's maybe this newer guy, you know, less less senior, less knowledgeable. And somehow the guys are the ones that are moving up the funnel. I mean, that still is a reality of today. Um, I know we have just a couple minutes and I do want to share some of our, our thought process on some future episodes for our listeners so that they've got something to look forward to. The podcast as we continue in the Women in MedTech series is going to be tackling a lot of additional conversation around diversity, around you know work-life balance, what it means to be in this space, what leadership is and should look like, um, you know, leaning into some of these additional topics while still featuring some of our guests that are going to be those CEOs, those entrepreneurs, people who are, you know, really making some headway into this space where we're going to be sharing and highlighting their stories as well. So really exciting to see some of these future episodes as they come out. As I had previously mentioned, it's going to, we're going to be flipping back and forth between our traditional MBA podcast series while we intersperse some of these episodes. As we go to wrap up today, I'm just going to go, we're going to go around the table, do some final thoughts from everybody. And um, let's actually go in a slightly different order this time. Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and go first? Yeah, well, Colleen, um, it's genuinely such an honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity and um, to Barbara and Abby to be with you as well. Um, I think, you know, as I wrap up today and just think about the initial thoughts of getting to know each other and kicking off this sister series, if you will, um, you know, I really hang my hat every day on the ability to to be in healthcare in quite a unique way Mm -hmm. um, and to make a difference. And I think one of the things I aim to do every day is um, to raise up my team all for the general purpose of essentially improving the world that we serve. And that is, it happens to be in healthcare and innovation. So um, that would be my my comment of encouragement um, to wrap up this conversation today. Thank you again, Colleen. 
Oh, so happy to have you here. Abby, um, any final thoughts from you? Uh, yeah. So echoing Stephanie, again, I'm, I'm very happy to be here as well. I think this is a really fun, exciting opportunity and looking forward to future engagement with all of those themes that you've listed and even more as they start to come out. Um, I also feel very honored and um, I'm just really lucky to have the uh, ability to be able to network with those of the likes of you and um, as well as a lot of the experience and background that I've been able to have. When I first entered into nursing school, never in a million years would I have thought that I would be turning around and, and being in the type of roles and positions that I've had the honor of being with, as well as starting to learn from some of those big minds that are out there um, who are, you know, predominantly men, but have been very supportive of women. And so I, you know, I want to go back to a little bit of what you said, Colleen, of feeling like you've ever been in that glass ceiling, that is the same for me too. And so when it goes to the words of encouragement, it's this, this series is not going to be all around of, you know, women feeling like that they've been left behind. It's more, hey, we're in a new era and in a new environment in which we are going to be able to thrive and actually create a better world, men, women alike across all diversities. And just being able to be a part of that and open up some of these conversations is something that I'm extremely excited about. I'm very well said, Abby. Final thoughts, Barbara. Final thoughts, sort of combining both what Stephanie and Abby were saying is I'm really passionate about improving health care. It's just so important uh, globally, but our influence, you know, in the United States and things. And the only way we're going to do it if we all work together, regardless of the man, women status of diversity. Uh, it's interesting we're doing this at a time when diversity is is the buzzword and everything we're talking about, because, as Stephanie pointed out, there was a lot learned during COVID. And I think our whole role is to be able to say, we all need to get together. We all need to get on the same page if we're going to really do great things for society altogether in using our collective experiences and how we've handled situations and things and whatever we can do to help put those hands together and uh, go forward and create a better healthcare. I want to say that um, pretty much every person that I've spoken to about the idea of joining us on this podcast has had one question, which is, this is not just going to be about bashing men, right? (laughs) No, that's not our purpose here. But I do think it's very important for us to talk about the reality of the world that we're living in, that even though diversity is more of a conversation point than it ever has been in the past, we're still not where we could or should be. You know, there's so much story to have in our community where we talk about my experiences and other experiences and learning from each other. And I think that really when it's it's not just looking to say, hey, they did something that's great for them, you know, I that's not possible for me, but us really breaking that down into what opportunity it looks like in today's landscape, as well as uh, we have an episode coming up where we're going to be diving into the topic of mentorship, because that's that's always been a really unique con- conversational point for me, specifically around women, just because it's so much more competitive um, to find one, to find a good one. Um, so really exciting to see some of these topics come to the table. 
As I, we wrap up today, I want to thank the ladies from the Women in MedTech panel that have been on the call today for the information that they've shared and their willingness to participate. I appreciate all of our audience tuning in today. For our audience, if you've not already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you all, and I hope that you have a great day.